0: To Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. My guest today is Divya Nori. She's an internationally recognized scientific researcher, youth change maker, and founder of Safer with STEM, an organization that works towards gun violence prevention by applying science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. As a senior in one of the high schools here in the southern part of the United States, her research projects have received numerous honors, including first place by the American Psychological Association among pre-collegiate projects worldwide, grand awards from the International Georgia Science and Engineering Fairs, and recognition from Congresswoman Lucy McBath here in Georgia, United States. She is passionate about creating novel solutions to public health problems through scientific research and community leadership. And by leveraging her strengths in biochemistry and neurobiology, she strives to effect change through innovation. It's my pleasure to welcome Divya to the show. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So to get things rolling here, Divya, can you tell us how your life was in elementary school? And was it just fun with friends or were you strongly academically focused and kind of like pursuing stuff since that time?
1: Yeah, so I'd say I had a pretty well-rounded, fun childhood. Um, Some of my favorite memories are creating little businesses with friends. So my friends and I would sell bookmarks we created or different um, baked treats. Uh-huh. But I was um, academically focused as well. Um, my favorite subject in elementary school was math. Uh-huh. So um, I'd say I was interested in STEM from a pretty young age, but my
0: childhood was also um, pretty fun. Wonderful. So when you were under 10, as much as you can remember, what do you think you enjoyed doing the most?
1: Um, one thing I really enjoyed doing was writing. Um, my mom kept all of my old journals that I used to write in as a kid. And I wrote everything from like creative pieces to just what I was doing that day. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom told me, you know, I-, I would carry those journals around everywhere. And I go back and read some of those pieces and cringe, but they're pretty, they're pretty funny. And I still enjoy uh, writing.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think it's fun for you guys when you go back and look at it. But for us as parents to reminisce on those, I think it's just uh, it just is so special. It means a lot. So when did you develop this inclination for STEM? Uh, I know the school systems in the area where you are have something called the talented and gifted program. So were you part of any of that or was it something else that was a motivating factor in your focusing on STEM?
1: I was in the talented and gifted programs. And um, those definitely um, helped create my interest in STEM, interest in STEM. But I think mostly it was the science days that we had in elementary school. Um, I remember in first grade, my teacher had two bowls of water and she had mixed salt in one of the bowls Mm -hmm. and she dropped an egg in both of them. And the egg obviously floated in the one with salt because of density. And so that kind of inspired my first um, science fair project in first grade, where I took these colored sugar crystals, mixed it in water and observed whether the color of the sugar would um, change the color of the water. Mm-hmm. And so that was basically inspired by something I saw at school. And since then I've done um, science fair projects pretty much every year.
0: Oh, excellent. And that's a great start. Uh, It's very interesting to hear about that as well. You have received several awards and recognitions in scientific research. Which one meant the most to you, Divya?
1: Um, I think they all mean a lot, but one that um, sticks out to me is um, in May of 2019, I was really lucky in that I got to attend the International Science and Engineering Fair in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And um specifically, I got to talk to the American Psychological Association. And um, they gave me first place they awarded me a first place special award. And um, the reason that this one really means a lot is because a lot of the time I talk to people in the STEM areas. So people who are familiar with science and technology, but talking to people from the American Psychological Association was more about the applications of my research and um, where the actual, um, I guess, the the psychology is where my research is applied in the business application of it. So getting buy-in from people who would actually use the tool rather than just knowing the theory behind it was interesting.
0: Okay. So as I see it, so the application side of it and getting to uh, kind of interact, so to speak, with Almost like the end user population uh, was something yes. that you enjoyed. Um, yes. So, what motivated you to focus on eliminating gun violence? I know that's a topic that's just so dominant um, in, you know, like across the world, if you will, and very specifically here in the United States, we see a lot of it. And I, I know you have done some excellent work on that. So what was that motivation behind getting started with it?
1: Um, I think the biggest motivation was um, the Parkland shooting, which occurred during my freshman year. Um, That was my first introduction to kind of how immeasurable the scope of gun violence is in America. Mm -hmm. Um, Right after the Parkland shooting is when I um, started to get involved with March for Our Lives. And... um, and I saw that, you know, just three months after the Parkland shooting, the Santa Fe high school shooting occurred. So that kind of got me thinking about how we needed immediate solutions rather than, um, although the traditional political process is really important, the rate at which gun violence was occurring and just the sheer number of deaths that were occurring, we needed more immediate
0: solutions. Mm-hmm. So freshman year of high school was when you really got... Uh... Very yes. specifically motivated into doing it. But do you remember, I know it's very unfortunate, one thing after another followed, like the Santa Fe incident after the Parkland, uh, all that was very horrific. But do you remember anything from your younger years that also happened as far as gun violence, like the Sandy Hook Elementary School incident?
1: Yes. So Sandy Hook was my first um, first time ever hearing about a school shooting. Mm-hmm. But I think at the time it was much more abstract to me. It was really sad and it scared me, but I didn't understand. Uh, I was in fourth grade, so I didn't, I don't think I understood what a school shooting truly was. So Parkland is the thing that I think actually inspired me to do something.
0: Okay. So you heard about it, but the ramifications of it and what actually Uh, one could do about it, you probably at that time didn't have much clues as to how you could help the situation, correct?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Um, So how then did you conceptualize what you wanted to do toward this cause? Uh, I know the political side has tried to do so much, they talk about it, and then ultimately there's not much of action, or there hasn't been anything concrete that has evolved, uh, but how did you decide to adopt a different route here?
1: Yes. So um, first I tried to think of different signs that we could detect early, which may result, you know, which may point to potential violence in the future. And I came up with two things. The first was um, signs of glorification of violence or um violent sentiments. Mm-hmm. And the second was extreme aggression. So I tried to break those up into two different pieces. And now I've tackled both. But at the time, I focused on the first one, which was glorification of violence. And I tried to think about how we could identify that in a non-invasive, real-time way.
0: Mm-hmm so what perhaps would be a taboo topic you chose that and you decided to turn that into a positive thing as far as how you could transform the world using that factor of though you know the the glorification aspect of it um so that's something fantastic uh, but if you were to explain in layman terms about the wonderful work you have done on that front what would you say about that project divya
1: Sure. So, um, as, as some of you may have heard, um, a lot, a lot of the time before a mass shooting occurs, if you go back and look at the perpetrator's social media, you'll see certain signs. For example, the Parkland shooter posted on Instagram, a, a post that was pretty, um, indicated some violent sentiments. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create a tool that could score, um, messages um, sent, uh, outgoing text messages, or messages posted on social media, um, and score them and detect concerning patterns such as glorification of violence. Mm -hmm. So essentially, the algorithm I designed looks at a overall phrase, breaks it up into words, Mm -hmm. and each word is assigned a number. And higher numbers are more concerning, Mm -hmm. and lower negative numbers Are not concerning, and you may think of those as the word a word like happy would have a a negative number attached to it. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are all added together, all of the numbers in a phrase, and when you add it together, you get a total score. And we can draw um, some cool conclusions with that total score. For example, is this very concerning? Is this a little bit concerning, but not that much? Or is this not concerning at all? Mm -hmm. And so analyzing data to come up with those numbers and detect whether there is violent sentiment in a certain message
0: is essentially what my tool does. That is something phenomenal. Uh, What exactly, if we were to just go a little bit deeper, what exactly is the tool that helps you do all this? Is it like computer-based? What is it like? I'm sure you know there's something involved there.
1: Yes. So the tool is a mobile app. It's, it's called iSense and currently it's, um, it's in the prototype stage, but it tracks, um, it securely monitors outgoing text messages, scores each one. And if it's concerning, um, a linked account will receive an alert. Mm -hmm. So, um, currently I am thoroughly testing iSense in many different conditions. It's currently, um, on the Android side. But, um, in the future, I would definitely build an iOS version and get both of those into, into the market.
0: Okay. So, um, was this all done single-handedly by you? And are you still, you know, trying to do this all by yourself? Um,
1: the work is largely independent, but I definitely have a ton of really helpful mentors. The first is, um, my AP computer science teacher. She, um, her class is where I learned Java, and Java is the basis for mobile app development oh. in Android. And um, I've also taken several online courses where I've learned Python and different um, behavioral science concepts that I needed. I needed to um, analyze the data I was working with. So um, definitely all of those are really um, helpful resources as I worked on the project.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm glad you touched upon that. That was what I was trying to uh, address earlier. So does Java and Python alone suffice or do you, to analyze the data, are you having to go into uh, algorithm-based tools like R and such as well?
1: Um I've used R in the past, but for this project, Python sufficed, Um and for the app development side, it was purely Java and XML. So something that's pretty accessible um, for the vast majority of people.
0: Okay. Um, so when do you think this can transition from a prototype version to uh, like a fully uh, licensed version?
1: Um, I think the first step is speaking to um, a large, a larger group of psychologists to ensure that the models um, like one concern is to make sure that we aren't extrapolating too much. Um, when you're indicating these serious concerns, you don't want to draw wrong conclusions. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to make sure the clinical side is validated. Um, I've spoken to a few professionals from a local psychotherapy clinic. So we're working on that, but that's definitely the priority right now. But once those models are validated by um, clinical professionals we can um, start more of the production side. So hopefully within a year or two, um,
0: it can become a real solution. Oh, this is uh, definitely more and more engaging and interesting. So when you say the clinical side of it, does it mean they then evaluate the patient's uh, mental health status or what exactly, how do you go about that?
1: Yes. So um, essentially the the models I was referring to that, um, that, Detect the emotional sentiment are based upon DSM five guidelines. The DSM five criteria are clinical guidelines written to identify different mood disorders. So, the all of the model what the model is based on um, things like mental health and things like bipolar one manic episodes, major depressive disorder. It's all based on those clinical factors. So we're not drawing. Um wrong conclusions because one thing you don't want to detect is sarcasm. you don't want to detect just someone being aggressive in their day to day life, just a regular emotion you want to detect preserve the emotional intensity, which is something that clinical guidelines are necessary for.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you hit upon a very important aspect there. Um, also, does it mean uh, you go off of um just for me to get a bit more understanding here and for the listeners to be clear as well. Uh, So is it just uh, the mental health is evaluated based on whatever communication happens or is it off of any database? You know, do you just go also search uh, as far as their clinical history and such?
1: So currently it doesn't go off of any clinical history. So it's just tracking their outgoing text messages their um social media and um i was toying with the idea of maybe even um scoring their search history which is i guess something that they could control or a a low a trusted guardian could control what exactly is monitored Um, but there's no medical history that is attached to the app as of yet but that's a really good idea that um, should be taken into account
0: okay but Then you probably also have to wrestle with uh, privacy issues there, uh, the HIPAA compliance and so on and so forth. Yes. Um, Yeah. uh, But uh, that's fascinating. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leave Forever. I know your passion with STEM extends further to applied computational biochemistry as well, and you develop tools to uh, come up with a novel pesticide for a fungal crop pathogen. Is that right? Yes. Okay. How about uh, I have you talk about that in a nutshell here for the listeners?
1: Sure. So um, this project was inspired... um, This project was conducted with a team at the summer science program last summer, and um, it was inspired by um, world hunger. And one of the main causes of world hunger is crop devastation, especially in developing countries. A large portion of crops are lost due to um, fungal crop pathogens. And these um, pathogens um, they, one of the reasons they are deadly to crops is a specific enzyme that they have called CDC14. Mm-hmm. So if there's some way that we can disrupt the function of CDC14, it would kill the pathogen without harming the crop. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, what me and my research team, um, were investigating. We wanted to create a molecule that will disrupt the function of that enzyme without killing the plant. So we
0: developed um, the fungicide. So it's like uh, trying to uh, nip it in the bud as far as the problem, but uh, still preserve the integrity of the crop, correct?
1: Yes, one of the great things about CDC 14, the enzyme is it's not present in any higher order plants, but it's present in uh, fungi.
0: So you can target the enzyme without harming the column. Okay. So has that been like a, a fully uh, successful uh, project? Has it been implemented or is it still in the works?
1: Uh, that is still in the works. We essentially, we tested a ton of different compounds um, that have been used in the past. And then we isolated one that works the best and then modified it and added certain compounds to make it even more effective. But um, as you may know, the drug design process is incredibly long and has a ton of restrictions and different things. So um, that's something that once you design it, you need to go through a lot of testing before it can be implemented.
0: Yeah, the regulatory process uh, then takes over and definitely that's long. Uh, Do you plan to go back to uh, that project? Or was it just something that you focused on for that summer?
1: Um, I think um, that project specifically is probably just um, for that summer. It was something that I did um, specifically as part of that program at Purdue University, but similar projects that have to do with drug design are definitely
0: something I wanna do in the future. Awesome. As far as bioengineering, you did some remarkable work there as well it's amazing how much you've done Divya. and uh, i just you know it's it's hard for me sometimes to even comprehend you know where you find the time to be you know able Thank to do all of this and that's commendable so was that another of your solo projects um that was a project that i did at the georgia governor's
1: honors program during the summer before my junior year uh-huh. so uh, me and my research partner, who was another um, biology major at the Governor's Honors Program, worked on um, this this project. We essentially developed four different biochemical tests that um, when you interpret the results of those four tests, you can rapidly detect a staph infection in the respiratory tract. Mm -hmm. And we optimized those reactions and then integrated them into a 3D printed device for
0: ease of use in developing countries. Oh, that's fantastic. So that is something that has been implemented as I understand.
1: Yes. So we created we have the all the reactions and the device which has sensors which can um interpret the results of those reactions and tell you whether you have a staph infection almost instantaneously in comparison
0: to the 48 hours it currently takes. Oh okay. Uh, so is this being used um all over the world, or is it just something here that has been uh done in the states?
1: Um currently, just pretty locally, because again, all of this stuff is um takes a long time to test to make sure the efficacy is um you know high. So currently it's pretty local, but that that is definitely something that I want to pursue in the future and make sure it's um,
0: used all over the world. Fabulous. Um, You have done some publications, presented at conferences, and you've been a TEDx speaker as well, most recently. Um, amidst all this, you kept up with another artistic skill and looks like you enjoy playing the piano as well.
1: Yes, um, playing the piano is definitely... Um, a stress reliever for me. I love, um, performing different places, playing, uh, fun songs. And I also really enjoy creative writing too.
0: Fantastic. So, how do you set goals for yourself, plan your time, do school, manage everything? You have a whole lot going on.
1: Yeah, it's, um, definitely difficult at times, but I really enjoy making to do lists. Um, Usually I break, break up my lists into what I need to do that day, what I should do that day and what I'd like to do that day. And I make sure I get the first two columns done. And if I get something, the last column done, then that's great as well. So that's how I make sure that, um, I get everything that needs to get done, um,
0: kept up with. That's a great tip. And, uh, I guess the last one then becomes a bonus. And, uh, so it adds to your happiness if you manage to get the last column accomplished as well, correct? Yes. Um, Okay. How about a challenge that you can recall in your journey? Throughout my freshman year, I worked really hard
1: on a project on vision disorders, Uh how we can predict them early. I remember being really excited for the state science fair, but I ended up not doing as well as I hoped, and I was pretty disappointed. After getting my judges' comments back, I realized that a lot of them said, Hey, your project was great, but you didn't communicate it well. That's when I realized the importance of being able to explain research and translating your conclusions into concrete tools for the real world. Uh huh. I applied this constructive criticism in 10th grade and I presented at the state science fair knowing that I had learned so much from the entire process. Uh huh. Qualifying for the international science fair was just the cherry on top.
0: I'm glad you really were able to learn from that experience, Divya. So what about a funny moment that you can think of? I was in first grade. Uh
1: My teacher was reading a book to our class, and I happened to have already read the book. I had a doctor's appointment and had to go home early for that. Uh But I really didn't want to miss the best parts of the book. So as I was packing my stuff up, I decided to tell my entire class how the story ends. I remember my teacher just started laughing and called me the spill the beanster for spoiling the book for everyone. And for the rest of the year, she would playfully call me spill the beanster. That moment definitely makes me laugh looking back on it.
0: That's definitely funny and interesting, Divya. I think you having achieved so much this question then becomes important. So who motivated you in your life to do so much, especially in the area of STEM? Uh, was it from any uh, family member or who influenced you in your life the most?
1: Yeah, so um, I don't have any like older siblings or cousins. I'm I'm the oldest of all of my siblings or and cousins. But um, within my family, someone that really motivates me is my grandma, Um, she, um, at a time in 1960s India, when I, I guess for women to do higher education wasn't as common, Mm -hmm. um, she got a PhD in math. So she really inspires me as someone who wants to get a PhD myself. And, um,
0: yeah, she, she, she's someone that inspires me to work hard. Oh, that's great. I think, um, definitely genetically, you know, you seem to have it in there as well. And, uh, This just uh, uh, makes me want to correlate with whatever I watched on uh, the Today Show this morning on TV. There's a 90-year-old lady uh, that went back to school and finished her degree, and uh, she had to give up under uh, pressing circumstances because of her husband's ill health that she couldn't graduate at that time when she was young, and she went back to school and did it, and she's 90 years old, and... (laughs) it's just it's just amazing how you know uh, seniors and people much older can can do fantastic things and uh, definitely I understand uh, how much that means to you so what do you hope to do in the future I guess it's a 30,000 feet bird's eye overview question as far as I'm concerned but uh, (laughs) given all that you do but what is it that you want to focus on and what would you like to see get accomplished?
1: Um, Currently I want to go into academia as a biochemistry researcher. Um, I'm sure my interests will change, but as of right now, I really want to go into drug design, drug development, and hopefully enable personalized medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, Last summer, I learned that at a, at a guest speaker seminar that I attended, I learned that um, due to white overrepresentation of white males in cancer clinical trials, minorities disproportionately experience adverse and um, kind of ineffective treatment when it comes to cancer. So I really want to develop cancer treatment that is tailored to your genome so that regardless of your race and gender, Treatment is equitable, and um hopefully the outcomes for cancer are better um so that's where I want to go um where I think I want to go in the future, but I don't know if my interests will change uh,
0: oh yeah that that's always a possibility. Maybe you'll figure something uh, even more interesting, but this itself is something uh, for a normal person, it seems like out of the ballpark uh, <laughs> you know like uh, <laughs> uh, effort, but that's great. So, I guess, you know, you're definitely, your goal is to do some predictive, uh, analysis or rather ensure some predictability in treatment for people. So, everyone receives kind of the same outcome, so to speak, uh, when they receive a certain drug. Um, is that like a fair assessment?
1: Um, I think more so developing the drug itself. So, like, for like the actual treatment you receive can be tailored to your race, your gender, your molecular profile. So I think I want to target the treatment itself rather than the predictive capability.
0: Okay. Wonderful. Uh, Are there like a few places that you have in mind that you want to pursue all your uh, aspirations further?
1: Um, I'm really not sure like where I want to go yet. Most of my decisions are, you know, in late March. But um places I'm really interested in are like Duke, um Vanderbilt, Yale. Those are
0: my top choices. I don't blame you at all. I think you have a fantastic list right there. So what's your advice, Divya, to your peers that are listening and to aspiring youth?
1: Um, one piece of advice is I think there is sometimes there may be pressure to um, pick a field and stick with it, um, you know, figure out what your interests are and go with it. Um, I think don't be afraid to explore everything that you're interested in. And if your interests evolve, that's great too. Um, if you asked me in middle school, what I wanted to do, I probably would have told you something in computer science or engineering. And I've completely changed in the more natural sciences direction. So if you find your interests evolving or have a lot of different interests, Um, explore all of them, and you don't have to know exactly what you want to do.
0: That's a fantastic answer. Um, If I may add, what is your advice to people uh, that are skeptical about STEM uh, and especially girls in STEM? Um, Any kid, any parent, uh, society in general, what is your advice there?
1: Um, I think often STEM is thought of as a very dry or boring field, and I I want to say that's um, not the case at all. STEM is incredibly creative. Um, The problem solving that you do in STEM is it can be compared to the painting, painting a portrait or, you know, playing the piano. It's incredibly creative. And I think girls especially will enjoy that creativity aspect. And um, I encourage any girl who's interested in STEM to get into it because I guarantee you it's
0: not dry or boring as um, as sometimes you may perceive it is. And based on what you have come to realize, do you think uh, STEM, the science, technology, engineering, math uh, field, uh, here is any different uh, vastly from what the global scenario offers? I know you probably would have already thought about your study abroad options when you're in college and whatnot. Uh, so... As far as the global audience and the global scenario, is there something you would like to touch upon?
1: Um, I mostly have focused my research on more domestic. I think uh, the U.S. has some incredible opportunities, but I have looked at um, Japan. for um, They are a leader in the robotics technology area. Um, Germany is a leader in the drug development area, so um I think as far as study abroad, going to those places would be really cool. And, you know, just with technology nowadays, I think it doesn't really matter where you are. As If you have a laptop, you can do a science research project just from, you know, using Python publicly available data. So I think that's one great thing about um, modern day is it doesn't matter your location, you can engage with STEM.
0: And uh, yeah, you pointed out uh, uh pretty uh clear there uh, the open source platforms come in handy and we have all got so used to living in a virtual world uh thanks to 2020 yes. and uh, so i guess uh that's a good piece of advice there and i wish you the very best divya in your future endeavors and uh please always come Thank back you. here to give our uh, audience an update on whatever else you have going on from time to time. And I look forward to having you back on Fresh Leaf Forever. Have a fantastic one. Thank you so much. As always, before I sign off, folks, let me remind you to subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. And the website is www.freshleafforever.com. That's one word. And make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever and on Twitter at Fresh Leaf Forever 1. I enjoy reading your feedback and appreciate the follow. Let's make week after week a Fresh Leaf Forever on the podcast. See you then.